Before I get started on today's Mortcast, I would like to talk to you about carefree cuisine. Look, we're all looking for convenience right now. Uh, usually with convenience comes unhealthy stuff. Like if you're getting like a frozen dinner somewhere, has a lot of preservatives in it, <clears throat> a lot of things that are actually made to make the thing last longer but aren't necessarily good for you. There's a place in Denver called Carefree Cuisine, which is located uh, in, off of Bowles in the Columbine Shopping Center in Littleton. Um, that is dedicated to giving you allergen-free, top eight allergen-free frozen meals that are good for you and taste really good. Um, They're run by a former chef who happens to be a friend of mine. And uh, these things, they are, you know, kind of like ready to go from your freezer to your microwave to your table in extremely, extremely tasty meals that are designed to be healthy and not have allergens in them. Uh, they have a vegan line right now, and they will be starting a low-carb, high-protein line uh, very soon, which is very good for people like me who are on a low-carb diet. Um, look, we're all stuck in there together. We want to eat healthier. Um, it's harder to get um, things at this grocery store that you were wanting, and Carefree Cuisine is the option for you to really look at that and really really get that convenience in. They have a special deal for Mortcast and CSG listeners. In order to contact them, reach out to them at info at carefreecuisine.com. They also have a Twitter page, which is at Cuisine Carefree. Once again, that's at Cuisine Carefree on Twitter and info at carefreecuisine.com on email. When you do, contact them. Tell them Jeff from CSG Podcast sent you there. <clears throat> what is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast, part of the CSG Network. I am, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Um, <clears throat> not see, I, it, These podcasts have been harder for me to get through. Uh, we, I did a um, uh, special uh, video, Zoom video podcast with uh, my dear friend Andy Feinstein, and I will uh, link to that when I link to this on Twitter. It was a very nice conversation. It's only available on video, and it's available via password on Zoom. I will provide the password as well. It's a great talk and a nice catch-up with a really good friend of mine, and we talked about, you know, it was basically what you would think, a lot of old man talk. (laughs) A lot of old man talk for that. Um, Today, I kind of want to go over a couple things. As we all know, uh, which has been all the rage recently, is The Last Dance has happened. Uh, The Chicago Bulls slash Michael Jordan biography. And one of the things that it has kind of spurred is the LeBron versus Jordan tired debate. You know, things that really you don't really want to argue about anymore because comparing eras is completely inane. Um, You can't do it. It's just, it's, it's, the NBA has changed rules and athletes are completely different now. Uh, they emphasize emphasize different parts of fitness. <clears throat> in, in the in the nineties, the emphasis once was on centers, um, and now it's on perimeter players. Uh, the rules have completely changed um, in in such a fundamental way that it's just the type of athletes and the emphasis that they have is uh, you know it, it's not the same. And you, you, the skills that people want and the skills that people are are like wanting to have for a star player are not the same as they were in the 90s. It's just different. Um, you can't really go cross eras. There's no 
consistent comparison. But what it has done for me, watching this documentary, is to show me how different the NBA was in the 90s. I, I was aware of it, cognizant of it. I've done podcasts on it. I've, intellectually, I know it. Emotionally, I didn't realize how different the NBA was. It was dramatically different in ways that I don't think we all really fully understand. Um, the NBA, and, and, and it's mostly due to two things. One, I, you listen to episode one of, uh, of Know Your History. Uh, go back and, and look at that to understand what I'm talking about as far as rules changes. Uh, but that, were, that began in the year 2001, <coughs> which were done large and largely in response to Shaquille O'Neal. But there was also a, a, a certain subset of circumstances that have made things a little different. Um, not a little different, a lot different. And those rules changes have so fundamentally altered one aspect of the NBA that it's, it's barely recognizable to me. And I noticed that when I went back and watched a Nuggets game uh, from this last year. I believe it was when they played the Philadelphia 76ers and they beat them at home. Um, that was kind of, to me, that was a slog it out game for 2020. <clears throat> Or, I guess it was 2019 when they played them. Uh, that was a slog it out game to me. Um, for the modern era. And then I watched um, some 1998 Jordan Bulls. And holy crap. <laughs> holy crap. It is completely different. Absolutely, 100% completely different. The league isn't recognizable. And that one aspect of not being able to be recognized is the spacing. And it really hammered home the point to me that the NBA mandated <coughs> spacing, which is really the only way you can call it. The NBA changed rules to mandate spacing. Um, they call it emphasis. I call it mandating. It's really what it is. Um, the NBA rules changes to mandate spacing have fundamentally altered the game. Um, and made it more perimeter-oriented. I mean, forget the threes. The threes, as I said in the Know Your History episode one, are a red herring. Threes have been around forever. Threes, uh, not forever, but since 1980. Um, everyone has known the value of a three-point shot. A three-point shot is worth more than a two. Um, that is not has not changed. The people put so much emphasis on the concept of three-point shots that they forget that the real, real the realization is, and the, the way thing, why things look kind of funhouse mirror in the NBA, is because of the spacing. Um, it is because they made the lanes and purposely more trapezoidal. Uh, that has what they've done is taken that trapezoidal lane could function. Which, <clears throat> let's face it, folks, until about 2011-12, you didn't get the exaggerated spacing that you have now. Um, it was exaggerated, but not to this extent. Obviously, the emphasis on threes has made everyone more perimeter-oriented. But the exaggerated spacing is what is not as appealing to the eye. The aesthetic part of it is it looks weird. And if you, you don't realize it, and, and I think more people who are like me and grew up in a certain era, 
it is hard to look at the way the NBA has, they say, evolved, but the way it has legislated itself is how it is fundamentally different to the eye. And even in 2009, folks, the Nuggets shot a shitload of mid-range shots. Mello, as we all know, is the king of the long mid-range, too. For better or worse, right? That's his range. That's, how, that's where he knows he can hit a shot. Um, he had one year in 2013 where he was hitting a more inordinate amount of threes for him. But in, by and large, Mello knows his range. And it's long twos. Well, people don't like long twos. People don't want long twos in the league, which I understand. Look, just take a step back. It's not that much different. You know, I understand the philosophy on it. But the NBA in 2009 was a fundamentally more balanced league. It wasn't dump it down to the post. Uh, you had the Lakers who were running a variation of the triangle. It wasn't, it wasn't the triangle, right? It was a variant therein of the triangle. That, that, that Lakers team in 2009 and 2010 <clears throat> ran triangle, but it really was not the triangle that we came to know and love in uh, the 90s. Um, it had become increasingly more difficult to run triangle-based offenses by the time we get to 2009. Um, what helped is that Pau Gasol was a very good passer. And also what helped was um, the you had Kobe Bryant. Um, it really was a little different. It wasn't a systemic team. The most triangle that was ever run that I've ever seen was 2000, or 1993-94. Uh, it was the first year without Jordan. <clears throat> that Bulls team ran more triangle than I've ever seen a team run triangle offense. Uh, that was a, and they won 55 games because of it. I mean, amazingly, won 55 games without Michael Jordan running almost exclusively triangle and having everything run through Scottie Pippen. Um, and you kind of see that, you'll see that a little in these next couple episodes um, of the, of the uh, starting tonight of The Last Dance. <coughs> Excuse me. Choking. <coughs> these, I'm sorry, this isn't coronavirus, this is me choking on my coffee. <coughs> Jeez, sorry about that. Shouldn't inhale your drink. Um... These changes and the spacing, the exaggerated spacing you're seeing, they say emphasizes skill. Um, kind of. Uh, I'm one of those people who believes that there are different types of skills. Uh, Nikola Jokic has a very good footwork for a big, and that kind of footwork is really hard to teach um, big men. That's why big men were so hard, hard to find uh, in the 90s. So many teams went after big men that completely failed. Um, it's just the, the history is littered with it um, because not every big man uh, likes playing basketball and not every big man has this requisite skill. Some people are just good at being big. Um, in 19, well, 1990, 1991, when the Nuggets drafted uh, Dikembe Mutombo, they thought he was going to be more of an offensive center than he was. Um, Dikembe quickly emerged as a, an elite defender, and that is where his emphasis went. Um, 
that is kind of where skills evolved as far as big men go. But right now you need a different type of skill. It's not skill, period. It's a different type of skill. And you see the likes of Giannis Antetokounmpo, you see Yoko Doncic, you see people like that who are able to dominate the league because they can operate within the parameters of space. Space and the mandated space. Because not everyone can operate with that much space on the court, believe it or not. It seems optically, it seems like it would be an easier thing to operate within that amount of space. That is not true. You have to have a certain subset of skills in order to break down with that kind of space. Um, See, what they used to do in the past, uh, particularly through the 80s and 90s, was if they couldn't get to the rim, they'd pull up for a mid-range J, about 15 15 to 17, 18-foot J. Um, That was the skill that people, the Nuggets actually did not have in sufficient quantities in the 90s, which is one of the reasons they were so bad. Um, They had Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, who was a stationary perimeter, largely stationary perimeter player who could break, you know, kind of do the one dribble fake uh, and and hit an outside shot, but he wasn't the get to the lane. He wasn't Michael Jordan. You know, Jordan could get his shot. He could get to where he wanted to go at any time, and you knew he was going to score. Um, that's a rare skill. But that's a skill that is very, very located, and I'm sorry about the birds. I'm outside again. Um, as a ver- it's a skill that's very uh, of its time. Um, a type of player that has that sort of thing where he can pop out for the 15-foot J... <clears throat> isn't needed anymore because it's not necessarily because a three is more is worth more than two. It's that the skill there is redundant in today's NBA. Um, today's NBA, you need either someone who can shoot a three or you need someone like Giannis or someone who could penetrate and break down, get their spot uh, within that spacing, go through the spacing to, to get their, 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 you know, patented shot to Dirk Nowitzki managed to thrive on an almost exclusively a mid-range game in from 1998 to 2019 when he retired. Um, he had that fadeaway shot. He's the exception to the rule. There are players who have mid-range games like Kawhi Leonard, but Kawhi Leonard is so much more of an all-around player. Um, having an all-around game is, is very much essential to if you're going to have a skill that focuses on mid-range, you're going to have to be able to defend and you're going to have to be able to uh, break people down and get to the rim within the space. And that kind of skill set is different. And that's why someone like me who grew up in a certain, watching a certain level of basketball, that's why it's not good or bad. It's just why it looks so weird to me is because the spacing is so exaggerated. Part of the appeal of basketball in a certain sense to me was the pursuit of spacing, trying to find the space because it was, the lane was legitimately congested. Um, They didn't have defensive three seconds. There was a legal defense, uh, but they didn't have defensive three seconds. They had a um, variant of what was called a legal defense where you couldn't, 
your ability to double was completely different. They didn't allow zone defenses. And zone defenses has fundamentally changed the way we approach the basketball game, too, uh, in the NBA. It is different. It is it is it is not the same approach that we had before, but it's it's still a skill, right? Um, you couldn't find that spacing because it was much more man defense. It was really dependent on whether you could break an individual down, likely, unless you were in one of those good team defensive approaches where you could funnel people to other people. The Bulls, as, we, as we've seen in this documentary, were good at feeding... Jordan was good at feeding people to Pippen, like getting people to... Um, because Pippen was such a good defender and long. It was very good at feeding him to, to the guy who could close him out. Just to be the, the closer on the defensive end. Um, or vice versa. Uh, the concept of defense has changed to where you really, since they're switching, it's all about getting the perfect matchup rather than being able to break down the guy who's the guy, quote-unquote, who's going to defend you. Plus, there's no... <clears throat> there's nothing that's going to be clogging the lane. Uh, there is none of the great centers in the league who are going to be back there just camped out. Uh, the NBA freed up the lane, and now that skill set has changed, and the skill set has changed on defense. You just need different things. Aesthetically speaking, that is that is what my eye has kind of rejected because it just looks so weird to me. And this is just because of where I grew up loving basketball. What I saw, it just does it looks weird. You know, the Nuggets of the eighties scored um, the highest points ever for any team uh, in nineteen eighty two, eighty three, I believe. Or eighty three, eighty four, one of those years. I think it was eighty three. With rarely, and I do mean rarely, shooting three-point shots. They got their points in all twos. And imagine scoring that many points and not shooting threes. I think the game is just different. It is just different. Um, And I think people's um, focus on the, quote, three aspect is just... It's just, I I think they're concentrating on a thing that is not necessarily a thing. Like, to me, it's monotonous offense, kind of like in the late 90s when everything was either dumping down in the post or isolation. Um, that, to me, was horrifically monotonous basketball, the same way that everyone shoots a three. My biggest problem with the, this era is people who shouldn't be shooting threes are shooting threes. Right? And that's, that's an extension of spacing. That's an extension of we want you to be, have as much spacing as possible at all times. So therefore, you have the likes of Robin and Brooke Lopez shooting threes, right? That is what makes it is not appealing to my eyes because you have people who shouldn't be shooting threes shooting threes for the sake of spacing, and it all comes back to that spacing. Spacing in the NBA is what people of my generation, I think, by and large, are having the most trouble with. The fact that we have a um, a league that is, that is so dependent on spacing to this extent. It shows in the games. And I, and, I def- and I want to like have any of you who are listening to this watch a Bulls game from 1997-98. All right? And then watch a game from this last year. And you will notice just how exaggerated the spacing is now. It is insane. 
It is insane. I would have never thought we would see spacing like this, ever, growing up watching the NBA basketball. I would never would have thought it. But here we are. And it's not, like I said, not a complaint. It's just different. And it's just, it's just visuals, right? And I think that is why a lot of people think it's easier, quote-unquote, to play basketball now is just because of the spacing. Uh, that's not true. You, it just requires a completely different set of skills than it did back then. Before I get going, I would like to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wine, located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, right smack dab in the middle of the dairy block, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field. Um, of course, they're not open. Um, every bar slash restaurant slash winery is not open in the state of Colorado, um, but they do still deliver. And uh, if you can't go to their uh, website, go look up Blanchard Family Wines. Uh, you can go to them on Facebook, Instagram, or uh, just look them up. Plant your family wines. Go to their website, order some wine, and they. And if you're in the Denver metro area, they will deliver it to you. In a great, great, great deal. I love their wines. They got Pinots. They got Cabernets. They got you know, anything that you could think to drink in, in the form of a wine. They have a partnership with Storm Cellars uh, on the Western Slope for a great Riesling. Uh, they're also offering tasting classes, virtual tasting classes that will be conducted over uh, a meeting app. Uh, they are just looking like giving you every opportunity to, to have experience having an open Blanchard Family Wines without having it open to you. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazine, beautiful lower downtown, Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. Contact them on Facebook and Instagram and or contact them directly on their website. Go get your bottles of wine now. Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast part of the CSG Network. I will be talking to you soon. Goodbye.